When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Inside Brockle podcast. I'm Elliot Jackson and I'm joined as always by Ryan Hildred. Ryan, how are you? I'm very good, thanks Elliot. It's, um, yeah, how is it the end of June? (laughs) It's just like that, end of June and we're starting to think about the new season. But um, yeah, I've had a good six weeks or so with the family and doing other bits and bobs, so I'm doing good. All good. Yeah, time's flown. It's been a little bit of time since we uh, last managed to sit down. I was not a married man when we did that, so uh, yeah, I can't believe it's the end of June already. (laughs) Although by the same token, it feels like this transfer window has gone on forever and it opened two weeks ago as we record. So we've got plenty of time in store, but that's just been the week it's been. On today's podcast, we're obviously going to talk about the new signings, where they might fit in, potential incomings, outgoings, a little bit of fixture stuff as well. Um, so make sure you are subscribing in your podcast app and follow us on Twitter at Inside Brockall. Free new signing through the door, Ryan. That was Greg Broughton's target, self-imposed target before the end of June. He succeeded that with about 10 days of the month to spare. We'll go in chronological order. Niall Ennis, first, first one through the door, free transfer from Plymouth Argyle, scored a career-best 14 league goals Last season, as Argyle won the League One title, good signing. I think it's the sort of signing that will age better depending on what other business Rovers do. We all know they still need another striker. Thomason made it abundantly clear he wants more attacking reinforcements with the club interview he did with Rovers TV on on Friday. So I think as long as he's not the only number nine or striker that comes through the door, I, I don't see any real risk with this. He's got a good pedigree having come through the Wolves Academy. Um, he got a bad injury, which stunted his progress a little bit. Took his chance with Plymouth, good 18 months there. 14 goals last season, including, I think, four in the last three, which were pretty crucial in helping them get over the line. And the way I look at it is, if Rovers had had him at the back end of last season, they'd have been in a far better position to get in the top six than playing Sam Smodix as a false number nine at Preston, for example, or playing with Hedges as a false nine at Millwall in the first half. I know they won that game, but you see my point. He's a better option to compete with Sam Gallagher, come in for Sam Gallagher, than a Vale or a Leonard, ultimately, because of the pedigree and where he's at in his career. So, good signing in my eyes. Yeah, good signing. I think the key for me is is what you said about uh, not being the only signing that we make in that department. I think it's still absolutely critical that we get as best as we can within our budget, someone that feels like, you know, a, a bona fide striker that's going to put the ball in the back of the net. So I think that's the key with what you've said there. But absolutely, everything that you've said there, the the pedigree, the fact he's done well in a very good Plymouth side last season, you know, record-breaking total, wasn't it, at the, yeah. the top of that division. So clearly, you know, he's done some stuff last season. I always look at the comments of, you know, the team that are selling, um, you know, players. So if you look at what the Plymouth fans were saying about Ennis, they're gutted that he's going, you know, and 
they were probably looking at someone like Ennis to, to help them out this season within the championship. So I think all those things point to a good signing. Um, we absolutely need reinforcements in that department. You know, Brereton Diaz, Bradley Dax, Sorba Thomas, you know, these are players that have gone. So we need numbers. So if Ennis can come in and really challenge the likes of Ty Dolan and Ryan Hedges in those kind of wider areas, Sam Smodich maybe through the central area, as you say, and ultimately Sam Gallagher, who at this moment in time has a massive, massive burden on his shoulders. I think you're right. This points at a good signing. And I think with our available budget and with the pond that we're going to be fishing in, in terms of our signings, taking players from League One who can come into the championship, develop further and do well, feels like, you know, alongside the, the abroad markets, a good strategy for us. So, yeah, I'm happy with this signing. Yeah, it makes sense. They have looked in the AFL previously. Last summer, they had a they had a bid for Brandon Thomas Asante, rejected before he eventually went to West Brom. So, we know they're, you know, they're looking in those markets. Obviously, the, the more expensive, unless you really can unearth a gem in League Two, the National League. So, you know, what would have Ennis, Ennis have cost on the market? It might have cost them a million, one and a half million. So to get him for free at 24 with plenty of room to develop with a former striker as your head coach, it makes a lot of sense in my eyes to bring him through the door. I don't want him to be the only striker. I don't expect him to be the only striker. And just on that, while we're touching on that subject, in my sort of mind, and I'm thinking about the budget, I'm thinking about how the summer might play out and what Greg Broughton said in the interview with me. I think that it's not a bad guess unless there is a sale which frees up some funds or David Rea eventually leaves. Um, I think it's, in my eyes, I think if they're going to sign sort of like a number nine that can raise the ceiling of this team, it's probably going to be in the low market, maybe from the Premier League club would be sort of where I'm guessing. That is a complete guess. That's not inside information. Probably going to have to say that about 84 times on this podcast today because everyone will be scrutinising my words. But... For me, if you're thinking logically, they've got a free transfer through the door. Where are they going to get someone that can really raise the ceiling? We know they've been in talk for talks with all the big Premier League clubs. We wrote that on Manx Live. So for me, we know that the loans from the Premier League clubs tend to come later in the summer because they come back later for pre-season. Managers will want to assess the squad, see who they're going to get in as well before it frees players up to leave. So for me, I think getting Ennis in gives them some time at least, because everyone would still be going, we need a striker, we need a striker. At least Ennis buys them some time that maybe they're waiting on someone that could really lift the ceiling of this team and really give them that sprinkle of stardust. Because strikers are the most expensive area of the pitch to buy. They've got no money, as things stand as we record. So that's the only way, in my eyes, I can really see them doing that, unless they can pick up a, a really obscure Europe, uh, European pickup that, I wouldn't rule out by any means as well. So that that's sort of in my mind where I'm thinking where they might go to, to get another striker in. Mm, and I think the important thing with Ennis on this, getting him through the door before pre-season starts, having that full pre-season with JDT for me is critical, absolutely critical, because this is a step up for Ennis. You know, he is coming up to championship level. He is coming to a team where even though the club might not say it, the fans are certainly saying it, that they're expecting and hoping for a top six push next season. He's going to have to raise his game next season, Ennis, with this. So having that full pre-season with us is really important. Just what you said on the, the free transfers and all of that as well. Unfortunately for us, we're at the start of a journey now on this trading club model. And we've not sold an asset for big money yet. So this is the type of pond that we are fishing in. 
I've got no doubt that once an Ash Phillips, once an Adam Wharton has left the club at some point in the future and we've generated some cash, we probably move away from freeze from League One, maybe start spending a couple of million on a a Kevin Nisbet from Hibernian, what Millwall have just done. We need something to give in our overall funding structure and how we do things for us to get into those markets. So, um, you know, with the tools that we're playing with, with the finances available, Niall Ennis, for me, looks like a really good pickup, especially on a free. Yeah, you're absolutely right what you said about the player training, especially the wage budget is no different to last season, if that wasn't made clear. The wage budget is exactly the same. In fact, obviously, there's more room for manoeuvre because Dak's gone, Ayala's gone, Sober Thomas's loan wages have come off, etc. So there's more room for manoeuvre on the wage budget and they've just got to generate the transfer budget. Um and I think they've been really smart in the in the, the transfer window so far. Second signing through the door was uh, Sandre Tronstad coming in from Vitesse Arnhem, where he'd spent the last three seasons. Good pedigree, different type of midfielder and certainly different age profile to what they already had, which was our big criticism of the acquisition of Tyler Morton last season. It wasn't sort of Tyler Morton specific, but bringing his type of um, play style and his age profile into a group of young midfielders that needed a bit of experience, needed something different, was not the best move in our opinion. I think that's why he got a little bit more stick from the fans than he probably needed to because he wasn't raising the ceiling enough to say he should be taking minutes away from John Buckley, Adam Wharton, two very similar players, two players that Rovers own, homegrown academy products. Whereas with Tronstad, it looks like he can do a little bit of everything from from the research that I've done. So number six, potentially a number eight if they play a 4-3-3, but certainly if they play 4-2-3-1 to play in that double pivot, maybe next to an Adam Wharton, Travis Buckley, whoever's in there. And I think I think he's clearly someone that can get stuck in a little bit more, a bit more of a physical presence, not necessarily in stature, because I don't think he's the tallest, but in terms of physicality, I think Rovers have missed that. We said that. The, the Stoke game that we spoke about springs to mind instantly where Josh Lawrence just had the run of the pitch really because of his build, because of his physique. And Rose missed someone that could really match him. Um, I don't think he's the most creative player, but that's not what they're signing him for. And if, if he can you know batten down the hatches and that gives Adam Wharton a little bit more freedom to break into the final third, then that's great. And I, I could definitely see a way where you could have Tronstad, Wharton, Smodix as a three, whether that's a 4-2-3-1, whether that's one uh, Tronstad sat in front of the back four and two number eights. You've got that flexibility, I think, with him. It just seems like a really solid pickup again. Three-year deal, which shows Rovers are quite keen to to tie him down and to make sure he came to the club. I'm sure that was a reason why Rovers did, because you know, a player coming into 27, he'll, he'll want a decent contract to secure his future as well. And he was a player they'd been tracking for 12 months. So, ticks a lot of boxes again. Yeah, lots of positives with this one. Um, I will heavily caveat it. You know, I've never seen him play and don't no, know I too much about him. As well. <laughs> uh, so I'm not going to sit here and say I know the type of player we're getting. So I'm just going to go based on the stuff that I've seen. So I think the first thing is we're crying out for experience in the centre of the park, all that stuff that you've said. So whether he's physical, you know, that remains to be seen. We'll wait and see what he's like on a football pitch. But in terms of his age, his profile, terms of what he's done in his career we're crying out for a bit of experience to just be a steady head and guide the likes of Buckley, Wharton, Travis etc in the centre of the park so on that basis you know I'm really happy with that side of things. JDT clearly has a knowledge of the Eredivisie um, in Holland you know he's obviously someone who he's tracked and then obviously Greg Broughton more widely in terms of you know Scandinavian players and things so the fact that we have been 
tracking him for 12 months and we're keen on him suggests that you know he fits the profile of the midfielder that we want in there. If he is someone that can do a bit of everything, I think that's great because I think at times last season we maybe struggled with players that do the same thing. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that we were struggling with, wasn't it? So if Tronstad can be an adaptable player and mould based on who he's alongside, you know, that seems like a really sensible signing for me. And do you know what? Scandinavians are just cool, aren't they? You know, just, <laughs> you know, you've seen it with Brentford and the Danish players that they have in the centre of the park. And, you know, you've seen other cool Scandinavians around the different leagues. I think they just have a certain mentality, Scandinavians. And I think he'll just be a really steady Eddie in the centre of the park that will just calm everyone down a little bit. So, when you're at a Preston away, when you're at a Coventry at home, those games last season that the bit us, you know, in the bum, unfortunately, Tronstad might just bring a Scandinavian side to it and just say, right, let's just chill everyone, you know. So he looks a, a decent signing. So um, yeah, we'll see what um, see what he's like in the first friendly or, or whatever, and, and get a good look at him. But yeah, again, looks like a great signing and and one that I'm looking forward to. I find the very direct Scandinavians very measured, quite relaxed, but, mm. but very direct and fiercely competitive, which I suppose all sports people are. But that's some of the traits that Rovers are seeing Yondar Thomason when you speak to him as often as we do, and hopefully some of those. And finally, to complete the Scandinavian set, we've got Arna Sigerson, who feels a little bit more like the icing on top of the cake. I think it's a good signing. I'm intrigued to see where he plays because from the profile, uh, from his profile, from what I've researched and from what JDT said, can play sort of on either flank, but I think prefers to naturally drift on that left side to come inside, or can play as a number 10, which they obviously need some competition for Sam Smodics with Bradley Dak leaving. I find it interesting because there's obviously two vacancy with, vacancies with Dak going and Brereton Diaz leaving. So are they signing him to cover two positions for both of them, or are they signing him for a play on the left instead of Brereton Diaz, or are they signing him to play instead of Dak? Is there going to be another left forward coming in um, that's what interests me. But profile-wise, obviously, he burst on the scene um, playing for playing for CSKA against that goal against Real Madrid. Obviously, is the sort of the, the biggest moment in his highlight reel, scoring at the Bernabeu in a three-nil win. And he's obviously had a few low moves here and there with the war with Ukraine. That's obviously means by FIFA regulations that he's allowed to essentially pause his contract, although the time still keeps running. He's basically just allowed to leave essentially as a loan, if you want to, to call it that. Um, for anyone still not quite sure, he's out of contract next summer. Rovers have signed him for a year. That's all they can do. And in January, or they could agree a pre-contract deal with him. Next summer, they could agree a deal with him too. But he could go anywhere. That It's basically just a loan deal, essentially, is how the best way to view it. His contract's still ticking on with CSKA, and Rovers couldn't do any more than give him ask for one year of him because of how the uh, the FIFA regulations work with the war of Ukraine. So it's a good signing. It's, it's you know, I'm sure it had to go for a lot of legal um, paperwork and a lot of red tape had to be broken through in order to get this signing through the door. It's got Greg Broughton's mitts all over it. And it's showing that this investment they've made in the scouting department, you know, bringing in ahead of European uh, recruitment, etc., and the changes in the uh, work permit, rules and regulations Rovers are going to take advantage and we said you know Greg said so many times that there's not a lot they could do at the time because of the red tape around work permits but they got a list ready to go if the, the rules changed the rules changed quicker than anyone expected I think when I interviewed Greg and brought this topic up in May 
he certainly wasn't expecting it for this summer. But they were ready. They were prepared if it did happen. And they've shown very early doors that they're ready to exploit that. There's a couple of things for me that um, get Rovers promoted to the Premier League. One is what we've just touched on, which is the trading model and the fact that we need to generate cash into the side. The other is being very, very clever in the transfer market. So we've seen teams in the past um, bring players in from abroad. You know, I think of Norwich with what they did with Daniel Farker and, and some of the players that they've had. Huddersfield did a little bit of that as well. Burnley last season, obviously, I think, if you can be clever in the transfer market, and especially for a club like Rovers, essentially create a team that is greater than the sum of its parts, that trading model plus being clever in the transfer market is ultimately what gets Rovers promoted. Sigurdsson, another player that I've not really seen apart from the highlight reel of the Real Madrid goal and all of that stuff, but looking at him on paper, um, I think he's direct competition for Ty Dolan. And I think he's probably a bit of competition for Sam Smodic as well in that central attacking midfield area. So um, he's a player that will really, you know, that's good that we're bringing competition, especially to Dolan. I think Dolan needs a, just a little bit of, of pressure with the stage of his career that he's at and, and where he's going with Rovers and things as well. So on paper, this looks a really, really exciting signing. Um, from what I've seen, looks like he's got, you know, creativity in him he can take a few players on that type of stuff we're crying out for some of that in the final third and if I think you know if we were to have Smodic and Sigurdsson on the pitch at the same time I can already see Sigurdsson threading a pass through to a Sam Smodic run you know Smodic likes to make those runs in behind so again it's another signing that excites me it's another one that's absolutely in the mold of what we need to do to compete at this level because we're not about to go and spend 10 million on someone we need to be really cute and really clever. And the fact that JDT and in particular Broughton have been able to bring their knowledge of this player, of that division, into the mix with this, you know, that's exactly what we need to do. Keep doing that. And we're going to see some of these left field signings that we know nothing about. But who knew who Steeperman was when he went to Norwich? You know, who knew who some of these other players were when Steven they went Brookie's to probably the best example. Exactly. You know, they come out of nowhere and ultimately they combine and contribute and create good things. So it excites me. So, um, yeah, another that's great. And another one who will benefit from a whole preseason with JDT and, and the model and the system that we're trying to play. So really happy with it. I think the natural question is where next, of course, for Rovers. What, what else do they need? We know they want to sign a defender, a centre-back who can cover a few positions. Greg said that in his interview with me. They obviously need some cover at left-back. So whether there's a left-back that they can bring in. I know they've been linked with George Cox, who has left um, on a free transfer. He's available. He's someone that Rovers did look at in January. It really wouldn't shock. I don't have any information on that right now, but... I wouldn't be shocked if that, that was something that got done. So maybe they bring in an, a natural left-back and a centre-back. Or I think the plan was probably maybe to bring a centre-back in who could cover at left-back as well, because you've then also got Callum Britton who can go to that side. You've obviously got Pickering his first choice. Maybe Jake Batty can make a show in pre-season. He's ready to be you know second, third in command to play in that area. And you've also got the possibility of going to a back three where you could then put Ryan Hedges um, potentially as the left-wing left wing back or, or something like that. So they have got some options there. I think for me, central midfield, they're pretty done, unless, of course, Lewis Travis leaves and we'll come on to outgoing shortly. But unless there's any departures, I think the, the five options in central midfield they've got, I'm happy with those. And then in attack, they're going to sign a number, another number nine or you know the window will have been a failure ultimately. 
I think I would like to see a right-sided player come in because I have doubts over whether Ryan Hedges starts every single week for a team that definitely finishes in the top six. I think he's a great squad player. I think he's a good player that starts you 20, 25 championship games a season. Is he a full, you know, does he start all 46 games for a team that definitely finishes in the top six? I don't know. Maybe he does. Maybe he kicks on and scores a few more goals next season. But I would like to see, as Sorba Thomas did, some senior competition to come in for there because ultimately with Dylan Marconde, who's an, a very interesting you know, dilemma, what you do with him. Thomason didn't trust him last season. He didn't make his championship, first championship appearance of the season until December and then got shipped out on loan to Aberdeen where he wasn't given a, a kick. He, you know, he signed to a team that plays 3-5-2. I was always going to create issues and difficulties from the start. So what has changed in the last six months that would make me think Thomason's suddenly going to start using him? Nothing really. So I'm, I'm more trying to second guess Thomason's mindset than necessarily say Dylan Marconde is not good enough to be playing. He should go out alone. We don't know. But if Thomason didn't trust him before, I don't see what would have changed in the last six months that would make him suddenly be a key part of his plan. So for me, I think they need a right-sided player. Um, I think I would like to see another wide left and I'd like to see a striker so that's four more in my eyes maybe five if they decide to sign a centre-back and a left-back but I would like to see four more come in in, in centre-back that can fill in at left-back wide left wide right and, and striker would be what I would like unless of course there's any departures and then you also need to replace those yeah I can't say I disagree with anything you've said there Elliot just um if we go across those positions so if we start with left back you know Harry Pickering played 40 times last season so you could probably argue that we got quite lucky that you know he played a lot of games and the season before 32 games so he's played a lot of league games for Rovers and we've got lucky with his injuries and we might not have that look next season you know he might pick up an injury and we all of a sudden look really exposed when he's not there so i think left back feels like a real priority for me actually i know that we've got good young lads coming through that you've just mentioned there but you know we've seen they're untested we don't know do we completely um, untested Thomason has at least got them in training so he That's will it. know what sort of level they're at but but we don't really we've seen jake batty play for the 21s and we've seen him play 20 minutes against hartlepool in the league cup yeah that's it so if the likes of someone like George Cox um, is available, did you say on a free would he yeah. be available? So yeah. that feels that feels sensible, that, because I think if we are going to spend money anywhere, it, for me, it needs to be in the attacking areas. So if we can pick up a left-back on a free as cover for Harry Pickering, that feels really sensible. Centre-back all of a sudden, um, we look a bit light there with Daniel Ayala going, so I agree that we need someone. I expect Ash Phillips to play more minutes this season. Uh, I think actually Ash Phillips and his representatives and him as a player will be expecting that this season, actually. Yeah. Particularly if he's going to be hanging around a bit. So, you know, with Hyam, Carter, Wharton and Phillips. And Sam will... Barnes as well, you've got to throw into the occasion. We Sam don't know Barnes. what sort of state he's in, but he had a really good pre-season last year before he did his knee injury. So I don't know what sort of, again, we don't know what sort of conditioning he'll be in, but... I'd be, I'd be surprised if he played. I think alone would be good. If he comes through pre-season and, and he looks sharp and he looks like he just needs minutes, I think alone would make a lot of sense for him. Yeah, I think so. I think with the knee injuries, you've just got to always just test them out a little bit and, and see how they are. So, you know, I'd be supportive of alone for Sam Barnes. I'm just looking, you know, down the released list of, of some of these championship clubs. You know, I'm not against if, you know, if it's low wages, picking up someone that's been released from from any of the clubs at championship level or indeed, you know, one of the relegated Premier League clubs if the wages fit. So I think if we can look for a bit of experience just to help out Dom Hyam, 
I think Carter, Phillips, Wharton, Barnes, you know, that's quite a low age profile there. I think we just need someone to help out Dom Hyam in the experienced stakes. In the attacking areas, um, I think on the left, I feel okay with the left, with the players we've got. Just looking at Dolan, uh, Smodich can maybe do it, Sigurdsson. Left feels okay for me, particularly with what... It depends um, what they want to do with Sigurdsson. Like, are they viewing it as a signing that will cover mm. for Dak? Is he meant to replace Dak and Brereton Diaz or not? Mm. I don't know. If, I think if you picked like a best 11, you'd probably have Sigurdsson on the left, Smodich's in the centre and someone on the right. So... The, 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 that's probably of the three attacking positions I've named. That's probably the one that I agree with you. I'd be most comfortable if it was untouched. Yeah, so they would be a body down, obviously, with Dak. Absolutely, and we don't know how JDT wants to play either, because obviously with Breverton Diaz, we got the drive from that left hand side. All of a sudden, we've lost some drive. So, is he going to ask Sam Gallagher to do that out on the left? Who knows? Is he going to ask Sigurdsson, as you say? Who knows? So, it might be that he does look at the left hand side for a bit of drive, but. I think if we are going to spend money anywhere, you know, if David Raya goes um, and, and we get the sell-on fee, or indeed if we sell one of our own, we absolutely need to spend some money in that central striking area. I've been on this podcast before. I have such a love-hate relationship with Sam Gallagher. Like, I cannot describe. I just, I think he's a fantastic human being. I think he's committed to the cause. I think he's a great player for Rovers in those regards. But I just think, Sometimes I'm I just find myself so frustrated with that nouse in, in the box, in the six yard box, just you know, those things that you want from a centre forward. And I think we have to look into the market for someone that's gonna do that for I think us. taking the burden off him will help unlock some of those things as well, as you pointed out. I think that is a big part because he's got a lot of physical attributes and asset uh, that can be a real asset for a championship club. It's just that bit of finesse and maybe bringing someone else in. Could unlock that as well, though. Mm. I'm not, I don't think anyone should write Sam Gallagher off this summer at all, but he no. needs help to, to help himself as much as anything. It's the help. And I think especially if JDT is going to move him onto that left to bring some drive, you know, we absolutely need someone who's going to pick up that mantle. We can't be expecting him to replace Diaz and score goals. You know, I'd suggest he's not going to do both of those things. So JDT and Broughton need to help Sam Gallagher out here by saying, OK, where are we playing you? And who is this player replacing? Is he replacing Diaz? Or is he coming as a central striker? So I think there needs to be a bit of thought there. And then just the final one you said on the right-hand side, I think we really probably underutilised at times, actually, but we really benefited from Sorba Thomas's deliveries into the box last season. So someone who can maybe drive down that right-hand side, get across into the box, get some good deliveries in, I'd be supportive again of, of a signing in that regard. So those four that you've mentioned there do feel like the areas... Um, if we end up selling Thomas Kaminsky, uh, I do think we need to be looking at another goalkeeper as well. I don't think I'd be happy with Pears and Eastham going into the season. No, they would need another number two that, or someone at least capable of challenging Pears. Yeah, that's it. But um, those four you've identified with the money being prioritised on the striker to support Sam Gallagher, you know, that's that feels good for me. Obviously, everything changes if we end up selling Adam Wharton for some good money. If we end up selling Ash Phillips... I absolutely expect that money to be invested because I don't want Greg Broughton sat there saying we're moving to a trading model and then as soon as we trade, we don't spend the money. No, if we sell someone this summer, I want some of that money being spent on some of the transfers. Whether that happens, Rovers fans will obviously make arguments whether it will or won't happen because you know we did sell Adam Armstrong. How much of that money did we spend? You know, Arguments can be made around all of that. But if we move into a trading model, let's actually spend the money that we're trading. 
Yeah, and I think that is the intention, whether it's the full amount. I think there's no point speculating. We'll just see. Like The only way of judging that one way over is whether that happens or not. Tactically, I so agree on the Silver Thomas point. I think having a right footer on that side is so important rather than Hedges who's inverted because the way they played last season, it became a back three in possession with JRC going on a wander. Essentially, you need Thomas to be the wing back to hold the width on that side. So it definitely, for me, having someone who can, who's got a bit of pace, who can go to the byline and get crosses into the box and play as a natural right footer on that right side, they look so much better balanced with that uh, option rather than a, a left footer who wants to come inside and be inverted. In terms of outgoings, you've touched on Kaminsky there. Obviously, he's a natural sellable asset that I think everyone would point to as someone that they can raise some funds with. There's been an £800,000 bid for Lewis Travis from Millwall that was knocked straight out of hand. And let's be fair, that's a bit of a joke of an offer. Blackburn Rovers, just because they've got no transfer budget in terms of before they make sales, doesn't mean they need to make sales. This is not a fire sale. This is not a situation where Rovers have to sell anyone. If they don't sell anyone and go in with just free transfers and loans, that is fine. That is not a problem in terms of the finances. They don't need to make sales It's if they want to buy players. That's what they've got to do. So £800,000 for a player that's played over 200 times in the championship, is club captain, has got three years left on his deal, is a bit of a nonsense offer, isn't it? Let's be fair. And I don't think it impressed Blackburn Rovers particularly from the noises that I hear. And rightly so, because they're never going to take that. They don't need, they're not going to get bullied in the transfer market. But equally, when clubs read what the situation is, and Rovers have been really open and upfront, which is brilliant, particularly for obviously me and the media, but it does mean other clubs will know the situation and will think they can lowball. But hopefully, this sends a statement that that's just not going to be allowed. That's not going to happen. They won't be bullied. And Certainly, unless there's a, a proper offer coming for Lewis Travis, I expect him to still be at the club. I think ultimately Rovers know the players that they want to sell. You know, I think it's pretty obvious for me that Phillips and Wharton, it's a matter of when, not if. Um, someone like Kaminsky, probably a matter of when, not if. Everyone else in the squad, I'd say, if a good offer comes in, maybe we'll consider it. So for yeah. that reason, Lewis Travis is in the category of we don't need to sell him and we only will if the offer is good. I think Millwall, obviously, they're a club similar to Rovers, really. You know, their budget isn't the highest, their finances aren't the highest. So they've clearly tested the water with their available means. But you're absolutely right. Insult is the right word. As much as, you know, myself <laughs> uh, included in this, as much as the fans did criticise Trav at times last season, and, and I think he ended the season fairly poorly as well, ironically, at the den being taken off at half time. 800,000 for a player with his experience, his age profile. And actually, the quality that he does bring on his day, 800,000 is an absolute insult. So for someone like Rovers, where Lewis Travis is not on that list of someone that we need to sell to be and operate within that trading model, I have got no surprise that they laughed it out of the park because it is just frankly ludicrous. What the figure is selling Lewis Travis, if it got closer to two, three million, I think we start thinking about that. I, I think really that do. would be the level of fee. That was my next question to you. That I would be wanting two to three million pounds, depending on add-ons and structures, etc. Yeah. But that would be where I want because they've got to replace him. If he goes out, they've got to bring someone in. And you're not gonna get someone better than Lewis Travis for eight hundred grand. No. And if you look at it, you know, Liverpool might be willing to send us Tyler Morton again, for example. So if I said to you, sell Travis for two, three million, which gets us a striker to support Sam Gallagher and we get Tyler Morton on loan again. That, you know, that's been my argument with the goalkeeping situation where I do think Thomas Kaminsky is still a better goalkeeper than Ainsley Pears, but I don't think the drop off, you know, if they get 
a good fee for Kaminsky and it lets them bring in a better striker. That's more important than the potential small drop-off right now with Pears. Plus, Pears has signed a new long-term deal. He's only 24. He's one of, you know, he's, he's a young player that you're developing. That's what they've got to do. They've got to weigh up, lose a little bit there, but add a little bit in another area. That's what they've got to do. And that, that's been my stance on the goalkeeping um, situation, what you've just said about Trav there. If it means they can bring in a striker, I'm, I'm for it. And it's difficult for us because, you know, our academy is fantastic and we love nothing more than seeing these academy lads come through. And as fans, we are all proud of it. But, you know, if we do want to get promoted, we've we've had the conversation today about this on other podcasts. We've got to do the player trading, which unfortunately probably will result in selling academy lads. I think Lewis Travis is an interesting one because he's been in the squad so long now. You know, he broke through in that League One season. Selling him is tugging on the heartstrings, isn't it? Probably more than it does Ash Phillips and Adam Wharton because we haven't seen as much of them. Yeah. Lewis Travis feels like one of those. It's a difficult one to consider and weigh up. But to operate in the trading model, we are going to see some good local lads, some good lads that have come through the academy be sold, probably not when we're expecting them to be sold, and being replaced you know, being replaced by the likes of Tronstad and Sigurdsson, who we know not much about. So... As fans, we've got to get ready for that. And if we want promotion to the Premier League, it's unfortunately part of the journey that we're going to have to accept. And you can speak to other fans and other clubs. Um, you know, Brentford is obviously the standout example. I've got no doubt that it hurt them when they sold Ollie Watkins and sold Niall Morpé and, and other players that they've sold, uh, Andre Gray over the years, all of those. I've got no doubt it hurt them when they did that. Look at them now. Look at where they are now. So we're going to have to go through this emotional journey. And, you know, we might end up selling a player at the very peak of his powers in a January transfer window, which down the line could be the best thing that we ever did. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think we'll move away from transfers now. The obvious other thing that's happened is fixtures have come out, which some people think is important. Some people don't in terms of, yes, you play everyone twice in the league. I quite like it when it comes out, particularly for me as a journalist start to plot what my season's going to look like when when the overnight stays are, etc, etc. I think there was two obvious sticking points in terms of the Christmas period, which is always busy, but eight fixtures in um, December, if you add in New Year's Day as well, which I suppose is not technically in December, but you get my point in a a short period of time. It just further underlines the need that Rovers are going to need depth as well as quality because they're going to have to rotate the squad in that period. I had a look back to what it looked like last season. Obviously, there was the World Cup break. So they had four weeks off, started back against Preston on the 10th of December, played 17th against Norwich. Then they had the Carabao Cup game against Forest, but that can't really count that because we don't know if they'll be there or not. Played Boxing Day, played the 29th and New Year's Day. So by contrast, they played four in December against seven this year. <clears throat> Excuse me, it's going to be a lot more tricky for them and it shows they're going to need depth and um, you know, people that JDT trust to rotate, which was a problem at times last season, as well as quality when they're looking in the transfer window. Yeah, and add in the FA Cup game as well. You know, that's straight after New Year's Day, isn't it? You know, that's the first weekend in January. So it's a really packed period. It really is. And um some interesting games in there as well. You know, let's start with Sheffield Wednesday away. That's going to be tough at the start of December. We've got Leeds, we've got Southampton, we've got Watford, Huddersfield away, where sometimes we struggle. Um, and then just after the Christmas period, West Brom away. So, you know, there's some tough games in there that the squad are going to be really tested in that period. But 
I think you're really right to highlight that as the important period for Rovers because even the season before last, you know, we went through December and ended December in a really strong position. I think we were in the top two or close to Rovers the top were two. second in February. Yeah. The season they finished eighth under Mowbray. Yeah, that's it. So, you know, that has always historically been an important period for us to just keep the show on the road and then go into the following year, you know, fighting fit and, and doing well. So you're right to highlight it again and and even more so with the fixtures packed in. So, yeah, we need bodies, we need rotation, we need players that are, are ready to step up. And then the running is pretty horrible in terms <laughs> of the strength of what they've got. And given the last two years where they certainly didn't bottle it last year, but they You've got to say to not finish in the top six. I think it was the 14th of December. They were second under Mowbray and didn't get in the top six. I think they won four out of 20 or something daft like that. It was just as I was sort of coming into the to the club and onto the beat. Um, that They bottled that a little bit, let's be fair. Last season, less so, but they did win one of their last 10 games. So there's a mental hurdle they've got to overcome. Yes, it's a different group of players. Yes, it's a different manager, but... Blackburn Rovers as a football club generally between March and the end of the season haven't done very well in recent seasons. So there's a a mental barrier to try and jump as well, especially after last season. And when we were interviewing players at the end of last season, they kept talking about the year before and wanting to make sure they didn't fall into the same traps. And I sense when we get round to March, myself and local media will be asking them the same questions and we'll be getting the same answers. So it is a hurdle for them to do. And it's going to be so hard. That that running is is really, really tricky, isn't it? But that's where the best teams show their mettle. And that's that's the challenge for Rovers. Redemption, if they if they if they want it, if they, they're in a position with ten games to go, that they're in a similar position as they have been the last two seasons, they're gonna to have to do it the hard way. Yeah, they are. And I think away from home it looks especially tough, you know, looking at Middlesbrough on the 16th of March away from home, Sunderland away on the 1st of April, Bristol City away on the 10th of April, Leeds away on the 13th of April and then finishing with Leicester away. So the final few away games in particular are tough and, you know, we've seen Rovers go away from home and, you know, and sometimes not handle the occasion and, you know, you're going to have no bigger occasion than Ellen Road, for example. 13th of April, Leeds are probably going to be right up there fighting alongside Rovers if, if that's what our aspirations are as well. So games like that will be tough. Um, the home games as well, you know, Southampton at home, um, Coventry at home on the final home game of the season. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday at home as well, who will bring a load of fans as we know. So it does look a, a really tough run in and I think just added to what you said about the Christmas period, it's very simple for us to just sit here and say we're going to have to do better in that period. You know, I don't know where we'll be at the turn of the season, but, you know, if there are playoff aspirations there at, at that point, they'll absolutely be ended if we're not up for it in March, April with those fixtures. Yeah, it's going to be really tough and be really interesting to see how it transpires. The start of the season's not too bad. Um, relatively local starts with West Brom at home and then away at. Rotherham getting the the trek to Plymouth out the door out the way early doors as well, which will be good. But some definitely some exciting fixtures. What what's the game you're most looking forward to, Ryan, or or, or ground maybe you've not visited um, that you're looking to forward to ticking off? Yeah, so in terms of the ground, um, Southampton. Uh, that's the only one in the championship that I've not done. So you've been to Plymouth. I've done Plymouth. I uh, will tell you the funny story about Plymouth in the League One season. Um, Obviously, as you know, I live in Lincolnshire, so sometimes have to take non-Rovers fans with me to some of the games. And surprisingly, Plymouth was away was a game that no one wanted to come with me to. So I went on my own. It was uh, 
six hours there, six hours back. Rovers on a 17-game unbeaten run. It's like, yeah, we'll go down to Plymouth and win. Literally the worst performance of the season. I just laughed at them at full time. I wasn't even angry. I was beyond anger. I was just disappointed that I just laughed them off the pitch. Just you save that performance for now when I'm on my own on a 12-hour round trip. So I've done Plymouth before. I think I'll be doing it again, actually. But um, obviously some better weather, hopefully, this time with it being September. But yeah, I've done Plymouth. So Southampton is the one that I am looking forward to in terms of uh, a ticking off the ground. Um I'm actually looking forward to Hillsborough again. It's felt like a long time since I've been to Hillsborough. And as everyone knows, Rotherham is my closest ground. And Rotherham, it's not even funny that I've not seen us win at our closest ground. So if Sheffield Wednesday can come up trumps and, you know, Hillsborough's a smashing old ground as well. And I'm one that I like going to. Um, yeah, hopefully I can have a nice day in Sheffield and, and go and watch Rovers there. Yeah, absolutely. I, I haven't done Southampton. I'm looking forward to ticking that off. Plymouth, I'm looking forward to ticking off, but not particularly looking forward to the journey. I think that'll be a Friday night job and, and staying over. Um, Ipswich is one for me to tick off as well. Um, there's only four or five I've not done. I missed a couple that I hadn't done last season because obviously I was on paternity leave through uh, Christmas, Vicarage Road, and I haven't been to Ashton Gate yet. Those were two that I missed during that period. So um, I think there's some great fixtures. It's going to be such a good league next year. It does feel like the Championship's quality over the last couple of years has waned. As someone that obviously has a podcast dedicated to the division in its entirety as well, it does feel like the the standard and the quality has dipped a little bit. But next year should really ramp it up. You've got three clubs that are coming in that are big clubs in their own right. That certainly in the terms of Ipswich will spend some money as well and are, are ambitious. Sheffield um, Wednesday obviously a bit of a car crash off the pitch at the moment, having sat the manager. Plymouth will definitely not finish rock bottom, which a lot of the bookies seem to think they will. I don't think they'll finish rock bottom. Um, I think they'll be very competitive. And then you've got three giants coming down from the Premier League as well. So it's going to be so competitive and, and really looking forward to it. And I think Rovers should look forward to the challenge as well. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be even harder to get in the top six this year, I think. But they have got a manager that took, uh, exceeds expectations. So it's going to be a, a really exciting championship season and one I'm looking forward to. Yeah, me too. And I think you're absolutely right to signal the quality, you know, the six clubs that, that are joining and actually replacing the three that left, you know, those three that got relegated last season, you could argue were, you know, crisis clubs in their own right. And they're being replaced with three really, really good sides, I think, coming up who will make it difficult in all of their own ways. Definitely, you know, it's going to be hard going to Hillsborough. Ipswich, what you said there is, um, you know, absolutely right. They're going to be expecting to be top 10 this season, I think, with the money that they're thinking that they're going to spend. And Plymouth are going to give anyone a game down there, aren't they? So the quality has absolutely been replaced. I think the three sides coming down from the Premier League, as much as it feels fluid at the moment, in particular at Leeds, I do think the three of them are coming down really strong. I think Southampton and Leicester in particular can rely on some really good academies Southampton are going to be able to rely on someone like Adam Armstrong next season, who's not even had a sniff in the Premier League, really. He's going to come down and score goals, isn't he? So I think those three are coming down strong. And I think you're absolutely right. It's going to be really tough. I think it's going to be even more bonkers than ever. You know, how many teams were were going for playoffs, you know, towards the end of last season? There were quite a few and then it didn't whittle down until, you know, the last two, three games. I think it's going to be wide open for quite a long time, actually. I think there's going to be lots of clubs with stakes in it. And it wouldn't surprise me if Rovers were sat somewhere like 14th, 15th, but still absolutely in touch with the playoffs in February, March. I think 
it feels like a, a really even division, despite the fact we've got quality joining it. I think it's going to be one of them where everyone beats everyone and where that happens, ultimately it's an even division, isn't it? Right, a little bit of uh, housekeeping to just fill people in. Uh, unfortunately, this is going to be the last episode of the Inside Brockle podcast in its current guise. Um, just to give a bit of information, there's been a few changes to my role at work with Lanks Live. Um, in general, in the industry, there's been quite a lot of churn and, and change. Um, so unfortunately, uh, part of my time has been split now. So although covering Blackburn, going to every game and press conference, hopefully for, hopefully for next season. Um, unfortunately, my attention during sort of the, the quieter periods of the week are, are being diverted elsewhere to, to fill other gaps, which just means doing the podcast as part of Lanks Live is, is not really possible for next season. Whether we can continue the podcast in a different guise or, or with a slightly different structure, we're, we're still going to try and work out an iron out. But certainly for now, um, this will be the last episode for a little bit until we work that out. It's it's um, yeah it's it's disappointing because we've really enjoyed doing the podcast and it's been great. Obviously, Ryan as well has been giving up his time to to do this uh, with me, which I'm very grateful for, and he's done a fantastic job. It's not necessarily the end. We'll just have to work out what we're going to do. But if you haven't noticed any change in Lanks Live, then you probably won't because this has been the situation for the last couple of months towards the back end of last season and then over the summer. So. It just means there's going to be a few less articles on the site during the quieter periods. But as you've seen, we'll still be covering all the big get all the big topics, all the signings, everything that we've been covering for the last two months is how things will hopefully look for next season. Um, it may mean that not at every single friendly over the summer with the way that they're, they're spread out, that's still sort of to be ironed out and, and worked out. And hopefully every single press conferencing match will be covered next season as well in terms of um, just as you expected it from last season. But this is nothing too alarming in terms of Lanks Live because this has been the case for the last two months and I've just not publicly spoken about it other than to a, to a few friends and, and stuff. So if you've not noticed a change, crack on. Nothing's going to change. It'll be exactly as it has been. But just to explain why the podcast won't be continuing in its current guise, it's just because my time is going to be slightly more limited on what I'm doing on Rovers and therefore just can't commit to having it if I can't have it out every Monday with instant reaction and in the way that we've been doing it for the last six months, I don't want to commit to it at this stage. And equally, that wouldn't be fair on Ryan either, who's giving up his time to do that. So it's disappointing that that's had to happen. But unfortunately, across the industry, um, there's been a, a global downturn in, in audience, which is just baffling, isn't it, really, when you consider how much football is booming. If anyone is thinking, well, what can I do to help? What can I do that that would you know help support these sort of things? Read articles, go and support local journalism. Um, there's a lot of aggregator accounts on social media at the moment, and that basically takes the content that myself and Rich and and everyone else who works in local media and, and puts it out for free. Obviously, it's free anyway on on the Lanks Live site. Um, but if you go and read it directly, that just helps me, helps whoever the writer is. It's not a a, a, a Lanks Live issue necessarily. It's uh, an industry thing at the moment. So support local journalism, you know, go and read the stories that I'm putting out if if you're interested um, and just try and 
use the sources for the people that are close to the club and that are ultimately the ones that will have the correct information because if everyone relies on the the Twitter accounts and ultimately the people that are actually providing the information won't exist anymore and that's just how the industry is at the moment. So not to try and end on a, a downbeat, but I felt it was important to come out and just explain the situation because, for example, people who have signed up to our newsletter will probably notice that instead of going out every single day, which it obviously was at last season, uh, it's now been going out two or three times a week when I've had the time to deliver the content which is necessary for the newsletter. So there'll be a few changes. If you've not noticed the difference genuinely over the last two months, then you won't. It's not going to change from that. But if you had been wondering um, and wondering equally why the podcast won't be continuing in its current guise, that is the explanation. So massive thank you to Ryan as well for obviously the work that you've put in over the last six months and the, the the way that you've given up your time as well. We've really enjoyed doing it. Um, make sure you stay subscribed to the podcast feed because I say this isn't necessarily the end. It's just going to be uh, need to be worked out how we're potentially going to continue this going forward uh, and make sure you're still following us on Twitter at Inside Brockle so you are aware when any new episodes go live. Have a great summer and um, of course stay tuned to Lanks Live for plenty more transfer information and hopefully more in-depth coverage across the course of the season. Have a great summer and we'll speak to you again relatively soon.